wanted 10 houses before I was going to walk away from my full-time job and I was going to do real estate full-time. So I wanted 10 single-family houses. Coming up on the Melanin Money Show. Okay, let's go. You are out of work at this point. Yeah. You can't get a loan yeah. if you try to go to the bank anyway. Yeah. The best wholesalers realize that they're not in real estate. Oh, let's talk about it. They are in marketing and sales. So you're not paying taxes this year, depending on how good the year is going. For me, I had a choice, right? And I was like, okay, should I go back into the workforce and just keep going with the goal to get to 10? Or should I go all into real estate and do real estate full time? And I chose the latter. Marketing is a skill. Sales could be a skill. If you were to work on that skill, you could be a good wholesaler. He built a plan before he decided to quit his job. That's facts. But let me tell you something, the Kings. Let me tell you something, the Queens. There's nothing worse than trying to start a business and then trying to figure out how you go pay rent next month. Welcome to the Melanin Money Show with your host, George Pong and Carter Cofield. We're on a mission to decrease the wealth gap by $100 billion and in the process, creating 100,000 new first-generation millionaires. And we want you to be one of them. So listen to our show for weekly tips on personal finance, wealth building, and entrepreneurship as we help you navigate your journey to your first $1 million in net worth and beyond. With no further ado, I want to bring to the stage the short-term rental GOAT, TJ Tajani. Let's get it, let's get it, bro, let's get it. Let's go. Let's get it, let's get it, let's get it, let's get it. Houston's very own. Houston's very Thanks. own. Take a seat, my brother. You ready to get a piece of gems? Yeah, he was giving us some sauce backstage. I was like, low key, like, I ain't know who's gonna make it out, make yeah. it out here. I was like, yo, this is no sauce sold separately, you let's know? Get it. So. What's going on, everyone? Good? Good to see y'all. Good to see you too, brother. So, I mean, I know that your brand is growing like crazy, right? And so there, a lot of people know who you are, but there might be a, still a few stragglers, yeah. right, who don't yet know who TJ Tajani is. So who would you say TJ Tajani is? Oh, man. So um, I am originally from Nigeria, born in Nigeria, and uh, I moved to the United States when I was eight years old. And moving here, I was able to uh, get exposed. You can imagine the culture was pretty, pretty different here. And uh, I watched my mom uh, raise five kids, five of us, working multiple jobs, she was hardly ever home. So we literally, you know, it was one of those situations where, you know, she would go to work and we had to spend for ourselves at home and take care of ourselves and things like that. And, and uh, but, but what that did was that instilled a level of ambition in me. And so then I ended up um, going to college, putting myself through college at the University of Houston. So go Cougs, shout out to my folks. You know, aye, 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 aye. Okay. And uh, so I actually went into college to do to study uh, architecture at first. And so then I realized that architecture wasn't really playing to my strength, which was mathematics. Mm -hmm. And so then I switched over to, to engineering. So I started mechanical engineering and then I ended up getting a mathematics minor on accident because engineering requires so much math. And so then I graduated, started working in the oil and gas industry. Did that for about five years. And but literally the first year, probably within the first few months after I graduated college, my boy, uh, one of my frat brothers, he was like, bro, I literally watched you hustle your way through school. You need to read this book. And you could probably guess what book that is. Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Poor Dad. Who was Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That joint freed me out of my well, job. Here's what's crazy. I, I took the book with me offshore because my job as an engineer required me to be working offshore. Now, I, I was making six figures out of college, which was, I know it's a rarity, which is amazing, but I had to work for it. It came at a cost of my time, and it came at a cost of me working offshore 60 to 70% of the year, almost missed my best friend's wedding, you know, so it came at a cost. And so for me, I took that book with me offshore on a hitch, 
Yeah, offshore means overseas. Overseas. So okay. out in the Gulf of Mexico, my projects were primarily the Gulf of Mexico. So, so it's interesting because what I do, I was pretty much at the face of the economy with oil and gas. So the crude oils and hydrocarbons that extract from subsea, all the equipment that is used to build and extract those equipments, we built them, we fabricated them, and I took them offshore. I facilitated installing them subsea. That was my job. And so worked offshore a lot, worked on the rigs a lot. And uh, I, w I was out on a hitch, on a three-week hitch, and I took that book with me offshore, and I read it twice in three weeks, and the light bulb couldn't have been bigger. It was like, get me off this boat right now. I need to go buy some assets ASAP. And so that was the light bulb for me that I wanted to do real estate. Dope, sure. dope, dope. And so you had the light bulb, and you knew that you wanted to do real estate. And real estate is a lot of things you could do, right? Absolutely. You could do wholesaling, all right? You could do fix and flips. Uh, you could do long-term rentals, right? You could, there's a lot of different avenues. Yeah. What made you gravitate towards short-term rentals? So interestingly, I actually started off doing wholesaling. Okay. And it's crazy because like uh, with, with wholesaling, you know, I, I compare wholesaling to renting. See, wholesaling to, to, what? to renting. Running. Okay. Running, yeah, because in theory, it's easy. You put a property on the contract, you sell the contract. Yeah. And it's like, be like online, like all you got to do is master buyer with the seller, exactly. man. You in your pajamas. Exactly. And you can, you, you yeah. can do it for virtually, right? Yeah. You got to listen. <laughs> but but then if you if you was, I compare it to running because in theory, running's easy. One yeah. foot after the other. Yeah. But if you used to say, hey, TJ, go run a marathon. Yeah. I'm going to look at you like you're crazy. At the yeah. same time. So today, so today, <laughs> right now. So wholesaling, I, I'll tell you, the best wholesalers realize that they're not in real estate. The best wholesalers know that they are in. They are in marketing and sales. Ooh, talk about that. Talk just about that. happens to be the byproduct of what you're selling. Mm. The best wholesalers know this. And so if you was to get your skill up, because this is a skill. Marketing is a skill. A sales could be a skill. If you were to work on that skill, you could be a good wholesaler. And so for me, I started off wholesaling. It's interesting because offshore, your, your, your internet and your phone access is quite limited. Yeah. And so uh, sometimes, sometimes we're able, lucky enough to where we can access internet, uh, ethernet through our laptops, and then we can actually have these earpieces where we can call home. And so- You mean uh, like with the cord? Yeah, like with okay. the cord. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. And the earpiece connects to the laptop. With, with the earpiece. Struggle bus. <laughs> yeah. That's the definition so, of a struggle bus. And it's static either the bug. And then sometimes there'll be like these payphones set up where you have to literally get in line and wait in line to, to call home. And so while people are in line calling their families, I'm in line calling sellers, trying to put properties on the contract. So, so, so for me, I was, I, was, I was a wholesaler and then I got into long-term buying home. And my decision was, you know what? Even though I worked my butt off, took me six years to get my engineering degree, I knew this wasn't a long-term play for me. And so I set out for a goal. I wanted 10 houses before I was going to walk away from my, from my full-time job and I was going to do real estate full-time. So I wanted 10 single-family houses. Mm -hmm. And so June 1st, 2017, I was laid off. And for folks who don't know, the oil and gas market is very finicky. It could be, yeah. it could be very up and down. You, you know, when the price of oil is high at over $100 a barrel, everybody's eating. You may be complaining about the gas prices, yeah. but the, 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 the economy is great. Everybody's making money. Projects are booming. Then, well, at that time, though, the price of oil dropped down to $42 a barrel. But when they consider the fact that it costs $46 a barrel to build and produce crude oils and hydrocarbons, nobody's drilling. Mm -hmm. And so we were the service providers. The, the drillers hired us for the, for the equipment. Mm -hmm. And so when they stopped drilling, we didn't have work. So they were literally like, we, there's not enough projects to support the amount of engineers on this in this company right now. So they had to lay me off. And I was laid off June 1st, 2017. I had five houses. So I wasn't even at yeah. 10. I was halfway into my goal. Yeah, and I want to pause you there because it's very important what he said. He built a plan before he decided to quit his job. That's facts. Right? Most people, and like when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I was ready to get out <laughs> that same day. Right? And I know some of you all that are still working, 
you know, we preach entrepreneurship, but let me tell you something, kings. Let me tell you something, queens. There's nothing worse than trying to start a business and then trying to figure out how you go pay rent next month. Yeah. Right? I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So I love about what you did. You built out a plan, a roadmap for you to leave your, fire your boss, yep. but then not be in a place where you need to make money Absolutely. the next day. That's facts. Right? That's facts. And, and that's very important because having that, that plan in place was, was crucial for me. But for me, I had a choice, right? And I was like, okay, should I go back into the workforce and just keep going with the goal to get to 10? Or should I go all into real estate and do real estate full time? And I chose the latter. And let me not glamorize. It was one of the most challenging things I've ever had to do. Let me not glamorize it. But at the same time, there was another house that I was looking to make another traditional long-term rental, the first property I was gonna make a long-term rental post being laid off. And so then I saw a video about short-term rentals, about Airbnbs, and about how you can make money on Airbnb and make more money than a traditional rental on Airbnb. And so I said, let me try this Airbnb thing on this first house okay. and see what the play time about, you know what I'm talking about? So, so I, t I, 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 list, I, I furnished this property, I spent 14 grand to furnish this three-bedroom, two-bath house. It had two living rooms. Did you buy it? You, so you I bought it? I owned it. I okay. owned it. Now, here's, here's what's dope. Because this house, I bought it with none of my money. I leveraged private capital. I bought it to stress, and we added value. So I bought it um, in, I bought it for 95 k and I put 65 k into the remodel, and it was worth 250 after the remodel. So for me, I was actually given a check for $1,100 to buy this house. Hey, wait, 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 slow down, slow down. Okay, yeah, so. yeah. Run that back, sir, bro. Yeah, yeah. Run, 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 run that back. So, because you you are out of work at this point, yeah. you can't get a loan yeah. if you try to go to the bank anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Exactly. So, so, this is the power of leverage. Okay. It's the power of leverage. So, I want people to really understand that leverage is going to be your best friends when it comes to real estate investing. And so, what I did was I leveraged the asset based on what is potentially going to be worth. So, when I bought it. My, the appraiser, my, I reached out to a private lender. The private lender sent their appraiser out there to confirm what the property is going to be worth once it's fixed up, not as is right now. So we bought it based on the potential. So they said, okay, it's going to be worth 250 once it actually said it came in at 240 uh, for the first appraisal once it's going to be fixed up. So I bought it for 95, put 65 into it. The bank gave me about 168000 because that was about 70% of the after repair value, not of the as is value. So we're building that equity in there because we're adding value. So you can, you were able to get a loan for the expected value of the property, exactly. then use the money to make that property worth it. And that and that money was able to cover the, both the purchase price and the remodel. Absolutely. Round of applause for that play. Yeah. Absolutely. It's called the Burr strategy. It's where you buy, re, uh, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat the process. It's called Burr. Yeah. And now it's interesting. What, what we do with my students in my community is we 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 do Burr with like almost a furnishing component. It's like burr, furnish, then rent, right? Because what we actually do now, see the rehab budget, when you get your funding for your private lender or your hard money lender, mm -hmm. you have to structure your, your construction budget to let them know exactly what you're gonna be doing to the house to bring it back to the standard that they're gonna appraise it at. What we mm -hmm. do now is we actually factor in the furnishing cost into our remodel budget, and we negotiate, we, we make sure that we purchase it to accommodate our furnishing costs inside our remodel budget. That way our furnishing cost is also covered in our remodel. And once we're done with the remodel, the lender sends us the furnishing cost, the, the remaining balance, which is, then we use that to furnish it, no money out of our pocket. And it's turned into an Airbnb. And we own it. Mm, that's a play. That's a play. And so I think you've kind of already touched on it a little bit. Um, but can you elaborate like just why out of all the options, 
Short-term rental is the one you gravitate to. Yeah, absolutely. Towards. Great, yeah. great, great question. So, so we, so that was the first house. I was going to make it a long-term rental. Mm-hmm. I decided to try the short-term rental play. I remember I listed the property. I spent fourteen grand to list this pro to furnish this property, mm-hmm. and I remember I listed it, and uh, uh, I listed it just with cell phone photos. The, the professional photos hadn't even showed up yet. I yeah. took professional photos. The same day I took professional photos, I listed it with the cell phone photos, and I never mm-hmm. forget. Somebody just sent an inquiry. It wasn't even a booking. Yeah. It was just a question. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. the level of excitement. <laughs> <laughs> My very first listing. And it was like, oh, well, does this have this? And uh, what they were asking questions about, hey, do you, can, you, can you send us a picture of the backyard? I said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go get you a picture of the backyard right now. Because I, yeah. I didn't get a picture of the backyard. Yeah. It was a random reason. So I was like, yeah, it's ready. Book it. It's beautiful. It's a nice property. And so they didn't end up booking it. But I woke up with two confirmed reservations the next day. Mm. And when I ran the numbers, and I said, man, even at this price point, because I wasn't even priced top of the market, because I wanted to get people in there, so I priced it below, below market. Mm-hmm. So I said, even at this price point, I'm still looking to, at minimum, 2x what I would as a traditional rental. Mm. And so this, I said, okay, there's something here with the short-term rental strategy. Then I got educated, then I learned that you didn't even have to own it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I said, okay, well, I, can, I don't have to own it. I can rent it long-term to resell the use of it short-term. This is what's considered rental arbitrage. Yeah. And so, so this is the arbitrage place. So what I started doing, I started burning both ends of the candle. I will leverage private capital, hard money capital, buy another property, fixing it up. While I'm fixing it up, I'm, I'm picking up arbitrage units. Buy another duplex. While I'm fixing it up, I'm picking up arbitrage units. So the, the interesting thing about the short-term rental strategy, what I'm talking about right now is ownership versus rental arbitrage. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing both. Now, what's, what's good is that although the means of acquisition is different, the means of execution is the same. You know it said you should get a health checkup at least once a year. My question is, when's the last time you had a financial health checkup? My guess, it's probably been a while. And that's why we created the Wealth Health Score. Whether you're financially out of shape or financially elite, the Wealth Health Score is gonna tell you exactly where you stand and what things you can do to get into the best financial health possible. So visit mywealthhealthscore.com to get your score today. And so the same the bar. You just gonna glaze over there? I'm gonna say, slow down, man. <laughs> the, the same foundation is what you need, whether you yeah. own it, whether you arbitrage it, whether you co-host it, because there's another strategy, co-hosting, where you don't own it, you don't arbitrage it, but you're managing somebody else's unit. You just facilitate somebody else's right to manage it. So right. no matter which play you run, your infrastructure is gonna speak to how successful you are. Got it. Y'all oh, do understand oh, the different methods that he mentioned, right? Yeah. For the most part, uh, you know, owning is where you actually pay for the property. Arbitrage is where you just you pay the rent and then you make the profit off the difference. Absolutely. And then co-hosting is where you, you just facilitating. You just facilitate, you just manage somebody else's unit. Okay. And I think it's important to make those distinctions because oftentimes people feel like there's a barrier to entry. Like, oh, I can't get in because I can't afford to buy my own property. Yes. Right. No excuses. And so now we can dispel that myth because you just got to get creative. Like he, I don't, Maybe not now's not the time, but he just talked about a, a play back there that I was like, yo, like that. Like, that's people doing that. That's creative financing. You know, we can talk. Um, so yeah, we'll maybe we'll, we'll touch on that. We'll stay, stay to the end, as they yeah. say. Right, right. <laughs> um, and so, what are some common misconceptions that you would say about the short-term rental space, right? Because online. You know, people like anything else, right? They they sell the vacation, not the travel experience. They don't oh, talk yeah. about they don't talk about TSA and all that. Yeah. It's like they just say, you know, short term rental is amazing, right? I can yeah. list my property on Airbnb, it'll be rented. You see out somebody in another country, you yeah. know, with the infinity pool, like my yeah. my, my right. Airbnb is paying for all this. Yeah. Yeah, but, but we know that's not always the case, right? So what are some some kind of misconceptions that you've seen? Because you've been in the space for a little while. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. very common is that people think that stuff is sweet here mm-hmm. in the short rental space. Um, because understand that it's nowhere near what it was like when I first got started back 
back in 2017. Yeah. See, back in 2017, I could have picked up any couch from the street and any mattress and made money on Airbnb. Why? Yeah. Because it was still such the thing to do. It was still so new at that time, mm -hmm. and it wasn't even public at that time. Um, Airbnb was still like kind of still un still going through its market penetration in the marketplace. So now times have changed, and with time changing, expectations have changed. Mm -hmm. And so people expect a different type of product now than, than now more than ever. This is why your emphasis on design is going to be very crucial to your success. Mm -hmm. And so for folks who think that they can just come up, just put a property up on, online mm -hmm. and, and list a property and put a property up at Airbnb and you're going to be successful, you're, you're going to be sadly disappointed. You've probably heard about this term Airbnb bus. You, you may have heard about it. You may have yeah. heard about properties, especially big properties and mansions or even individual regular properties sitting not getting booked on Airbnb. You probably mm -hmm. heard that or seen news about yep. that on some level. And to me, I, I actually like this Airbnb bus thing. Can I be real with you? Yeah. I like it. I like the. I like it. But guess why? Because is 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 keeping people out of the business that shouldn't be in it. Discouraging mm. people to get into the business. So and, mm -hmm. and the thing is, is that what you're finding out now about the Airbnb space is that it's structured now for the business owner. The success of it is contingent on your infrastructure and your ability to be operate this as a business and do you and do you emphasize the customer experience do you emphasize design mm -hmm. and so the w one of the things i tell people the the bigger tragedy is not even this airbnb busting see for example what the when guests book airbnb the biggest issue with airbnb right now is the fact that a guest can book an airbnb can have a great experience mm -hmm. and book another one have a bad experience no consistency. They book another one, have an okay experience. Right. They book another one, have another bad experience. Then maybe they'll got another good experience. The issue is the inconsistency in this space. Mm. The truth is, is that this is why hotels have us beat. This is how, why hotels have the, the edge on us. Because whether you book a Hampton Inn in Dallas or Phoenix or Houston, you're going to get the same product. Very consistent. Mm -hmm. The same eggs for breakfast, the same bagels, the same product. Yeah. They beat us on consistency. So a guest would rather take a seven out of 10 consistently than get a two here, an eight here, a nine here. And so, and a lot of times when we lose a guest because of our inconsistency, they're gonna be losing to a hotel. And in most cases, we're not getting them back on Airbnb. This is the bigger tragedy than just Airbnb bus. Mm. Wow, that was deep, that was deep. Get that a round of applause, y'all. And, 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 and I think there's a lesson in that because, um, you know, me and GA talk about this a lot. Like, um, although, like, recessions are a, tra a tragedy for a lot of people, but what it does in certain spaces, especially in entrepreneurship, it gets the people out who were playing the game on a halfway level, mm -hmm. right? So if you're worried about a recession, don't worry. You just become the best at your craft, yes. and the recession is going to filter yes. out the people that don't need to be in your space anyway, and Big then facts. it's going to make it easier for you to elevate in your space. So don't be worried about that. Just make sure, just use that time to perfect your craft, watch your lane open up, and then just take over. Big facts. So, you know, to that, to that end, right, in this podcast space, right, we realize that a lot of people have talent, but there's not a lot of business behind it. Mm. So watch the rise. Just going to get on tape. Get it on tape. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But um, what is your craziest experience that you can recall oh, man. with the tenant? Because I know it can get crazy. I see some stuff <laughs> yeah. online yeah. where, like, before we give them the good, let's give them the bad first. Yeah, and then, yeah. like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What's the cra one of the craziest experiences you can remember with the tenant? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I had a, this was actually a direct booking. Uh, one of my houses, a three-bedroom, two-bath house yeah. in the tray here in Houston. Um, somebody booked it directly through the website. Mm -hmm. And he came booking, he's from California. He booked it for about a week. And he booked it, of course, his friends were, his friends were there and whatnot. Yeah. And this was actually 2019, mm -hmm. I believe. 
And so um, what what ended up happening was one of his friends wasn't the guy that booked it, yeah. but his boy was wanted. And, uh, and o- only and in Houston. No. The, <laughs> <laughs> what's crazy is the the FBI oh, left wow. wanted. Jeez. FBI. So the FBI did a whole sting operation in my Airbnb. <laughs> They, they, so they, they, they delivered a, um, so the FBI is, is posted. Like they're yeah. camouflaged. They just acted like regular people. Yeah. This guy's dangerous, apparently. <laughs> so they, they uh, send a FedEx box to the door uh-huh. to see, you know, to get a, to get a good eye on who's yeah. inside or what's going on inside. We got him. We got him. Yeah. So <laughs> turns out the guy they were looking for answers the door. Could you imagine having a financial coach that at any given time you could ask your questions in real time from a real expert and get real advice? To be honest, Pocket Advisor is the flagship feature, in my opinion, of the Melanin Millionaires Club. And when I originally created this platform, for those of you who may not know this, Pocket Advisor was actually the name in the primary feature back in 2021. But when I rebranded to the Melanin Millionaires Club, I knew that no matter what we added or changed, Pocket Advisor had to stay because we have democratized financial advice by giving you access to a real financial expert in real time. There is no other financial education platform that you'll find something like this that's actually backed by a financial advisor one of the top 100 in the nation, I might add. So if you're looking to get financial education in your pocket in real time, head over to melaninmoney.com forward slash join to learn about Pocket Advisor as well as all the other great benefits and features that you can find as a part of the Melanin Millionaires Club. Can't wait to see you inside. (laughs) So they confirmed that he was in there and they put a, uh, one of those big old... The, the door bangs? The door, the door bangs. Yeah. Bang down my front door. <laughs> and are you, like, watching this on the camera at home, like, with the popcorn? And like, yo, this is getting good. Like, yo. You know what's crazy? I didn't see it until the next day. Okay. Ah. I didn't see it until the next day. Because yeah. I was actually out of town. And, um, and this was... This, it was... It was uh, I, w- I was called, and I was told about it. And, but that was probably the craziest experience. They ended up arresting him and, like, two other people. Sheesh. From that property, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it could be some stuff going on, and we've had people. Um, not, not, not. It hasn't happened to me, thankfully. Uh, but I have a lot of friends that do this business at a very high level. Get robbed clean, like just clean, blind, like just yeah, everything. Like, so, like everything, everything, all the furnishings oh, yeah, in oh, the yeah. house. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I use my Damn. boy Sean, one, one of my good friends, Sean. He's in, he's in the space heavy. Um, he has a pretty big YouTube on, on, in the short term rental space, and uh, he gave a, a a video one day about how they clean them out. And clean yeah. out his whole spot. Sean has over a hundred doors, and it was funny when I was I was asking Sean. I said, "Bro, how'd you how'd you how'd you handle it? How'd you sleep that night?" He said, "Like a baby." What you mean? Because <laughs> the thing is, is that when you're structured properly, remember your infrastructure uh-huh. is what mm-hmm. matters. Who you are, your identity as an operator in this space is what's going to determine your level of success, especially from a longevity perspective. Big facts. You need to have your systems dialed in, your your protections in place, to where if something like that happens, you're sleeping like a baby. Why? Because you're probably going to come out on top. Mm. With the right infrastructure, with the right structure. So he's like, I slept like a baby. I was made whole and then some. Mm. There we go. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, absolutely. And the thing about that is I always tell people with good financial planning, 
um, is that you can turn inconvenience, well, emergencies into inconveniences. Absolutely. Right? If you're not, if you're not structured the right way, it's an emergency, it's a fire drill. Oh, yeah. But it can be an inconvenience. I mean, of course, if you get a flat tire, no one's ever happy about a flat tire. But if you got car insurance, like, it's not a big deal, right? So just making sure you're structured the right way. So I love that you touched on that. Yeah. And um, that's crazy. Was it, was it through Airbnb or was it through... Do you remember? So he it was a direct booking. Okay, direct, okay, okay. My situation, that was a direct booking. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about that for a second because um, we're in the back. Like, when I hear short-term rental, I think Airbnb only. Yeah. But you were letting us know that there are other ways yeah. to rent our properties that's not through Airbnb. And I think most people aren't talking about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I tell people that if you have a business in the short-term rental space and it's solely contingent on Airbnb, you are in what I like to consider a single point of failure situation. I say that um, all the time. Um, yep. so, so, you know, if Airbnb craps out right now, will you still have a business or not? Mm -hmm. um, and that's a question that you have to ask. So in order for you to really start, now we love Airbnb. We right. love them. We get a lot of bookings from them. But I tell people, and I install this to my students all the time, you have to switch your mindset of how you look at Airbnb. Mm. Let's look at them as an income source. Yes, we're going to make money from them. But let's also look at them as a lead source. Meaning that we're going to build our own database. Why do you think Airbnb doesn't give you the emails or the phone numbers? Because it's data here. They're right. the data business. They're collecting data because guess what? The data is what's going to speak to how much money they're going to make and how long this company is going to last. Mm -hmm. um, as long as much as they built their data. So, so why shouldn't you be collecting your own data for yourself? Right. Every single person that steps foot in your listing, not just the person that books it, mm -hmm. should be in your database. We right. do three very important things to make sure that we collect everybody's data. We talked about it earlier on yeah, the back side. Yeah. And so and when, we're, when we're in the back, we ask for it for one. Every time somebody books, we ask, say, hey, can you please give us your email, email address or phone number so we can reach out to you? Uh, this, this, things like and that. Oh, even through Airbnb. Even through, even through Airbnb. Okay, gotcha. Oh, these are through all the OTAs, Airbnb, VRBO, Expedia, but right, gotcha. Right, right. So, and so uh, another thing that we have is our, we, we have a um, kind of a damage waiver, damage waiver that we send to them. It's a link. They put the information in. They select what kind of damage waiver they want, uh, which is either a $500 deposit or just a $50 fee to protect um, any item in the property during their stay. Mm -hmm. um, actually, it's $35. But um, that's what a company called Superhog, so definitely tap into them. Um, so, so we collect the information that way. Second layer is through our guidebook. So we have a guidebook system, and the guidebook usually just gets decimated and sent out through everybody that's coming. It has information yep. like, you know, where to, where to Wi-Fi information, check mm -hmm. instructions, where to eat, recommendations, things like that. Right. Once they get the link to access the link, they have to put in their email address or phone number. So it's like you, made, you made your thing an opt-in. Yes, it's an opt-in for everything. So that's, and that's the key. So when you put the opt-in, you have your email, uh, back-end email system automatically connected. Gotcha. Opt-in goes back, it goes into your email system. And the last level is what we talked about in the back earlier, mm -hmm. which is the Wi-Fi. Gangster, that was and, gangster, and bro. Yeah. I mean, you, you're not gonna miss anybody from the Wi-Fi. So right. we literally have three different layers of how we can collect guest information. And this is how you start building your database. You start running from day one, your very first list, I don't care if you're brand new, start mm -hmm. collecting the data right away. And what do you do with this data? Mm -hmm. You retarget them, you remarket to them to, for them to book with you directly. And that's the conversion. And so you should be keeping collecting data mm -hmm. in mind. You should be keeping um, literally scaling your brand because mm -hmm. what we're talking about is brand. We're scaling our brand when we're talking about this. Right. So you should be keeping that in mind. Even at, even at the very beginning of your journey, you should be keeping this in mind. And speaking on brand real quick, it wasn't an original question, but for someone who sees themselves being in a short-term rental space long-term, 
the same way the Hilton and all these companies have their, but do you recommend that people have some consistency in branding? Like if they have an Airbnb in, in Florida or Miami or wherever, like do you recommend that people have like consistency in their brand? Yeah, I, I believe so. And so okay. the way, the way we're doing it in our business, mm -hmm. a lot of our, um, what I like to call residential plays, which mm -hmm. is our anywhere between single family to four units, mm -hmm. really even for, I'll say, Really, yeah, I'll say single family to four units, they're all under one management umbrella, okay. uh, no matter where they are. And then we have our boutique hotels. Okay. Those are, have their own brands, and those will be branded individually gotcha. with their own websites and things like that. Gotcha. So nonetheless, the brand is very important. Gotcha. Um, nonetheless, for sure. Yeah, so, I think yeah, that's so important because we rely on these apps and platforms all the time yeah. and we're giving we're pushing people to these platforms giving them all the data and then just being happy by getting a little bit of money right like some of the when instagram shut down a lot of influencers on the internet lost it because they realized that they didn't own any of the followers that they had right Thanks. so whatever app you're using whether it's instagram turo airbnb owning data is a must I have 75,000 phone numbers and 100,000 emails. I'm going to be good regardless. That's good data. Right? So, like, I need you all to adopt that same mindset. Like, how can you get the data of all the customers that you're interacting with? Because you can send one email on one text to get you paid or get you where you need to go. So, I think this is so important, man, to own the data, man. Very important. Very yeah, important. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, there's someone in the audience right now who's either thought about getting in short-term rentals, maybe dabbled mm -hmm. in it, um, and they have an interest in it, right? And you got started in the space, you said 2017? 2017. What would you tell 2017 TJ, mm. right, based upon all the experience, expertise, knowledge, things that you've learned along the way, yeah. if they were just getting started today, what would you tell him if he was about to get into the Airbnb or short-term rental Absolutely. space? <laughs> I would, I would, uh, I would, I would tell him to understand the value that he, that he brings. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell everybody, like, understand the value that you bring in this. Know your worth, King. Know your worth. <laughs> Here's what's interesting. You know, when I see arbitrage means that you're positioning yourself with a landlord to rent their property out long term so you can run the place short term. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember when I first started talking to landlords, it was more so a conversation like, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord, hey, you know, What's good, you know? What's good, what's good, you <laughs> know? What's you know? I'm out here trying to run this Airbnb play. You know, we're doing this thing. Hey, I'm gonna rent the property. We're gonna, we're gonna rent it out. But, but you know, we're gonna rent it out to these people that, that they're gonna like it. You know, we're gonna listen on these platforms, this, this, and that. Mm. And uh, they weren't, it was really, really hard trying to convince these landlords because for one, it was very new. And for two, my positioning factor was one of scarcity. Mm. The mindset was one from, of scarcity. I remember there was one time I went to go talk to this lady in this townhome community in East mm. Downtown in Edo, and uh, I was sitting in her office. I set the meeting. We, I was sitting in her office. I saw Brenda play. I said, yes, um, and I was nervous as heck. Yeah. Like, I was shaking. I was like, yeah, so we're, I'm, you know, I want to do this Airbnb. You know, yeah. hey, want to rent this property out. These, these, these properties are amazing. We just need one. I just need one. Give me one. Try me out with one, and then let's see how it goes. And her response was literally like, are you freaking kidding me? So you mean to tell me I'm gonna rent out this property to you and are you gonna make money and I'm supposed to be okay with it? Like, what are you talking about right now? She got so frustrated. She like got up and just walked out of her own office. Like she, wow. said, she said, you gotta be, she said, you gotta be, <laughs> she ain't think that through. <laughs> she said it, she like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. She like got up, walked yeah, out, yeah. left me sitting there 
in her own office. That's crazy. And I was sh- I was like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> so so I literally just got up and I sped walking beeline into the car. And but but guess what I started doing right after that? Went to the next property. Mm. Went to the next property. If I had gave up because it was, I ain't gonna lie, it was very discouraging. If mm. I had stopped then, I wouldn't even be here. And I tell, you know, and, 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 and so the consistency is very important. And mm-hmm. so I went ahead, and it's funny, when I, when, I, when I talk to my students now, and I tell them, uh, you know, when you talk to sellers and you position yourself to buy properties, and they hang up on you and say, how did you get my number? Don't ever call me again. Boom, bang on you. Yeah. I said, guess what you should do? Rejoice. 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 Why? You're getting close to that next yes. Yeah. That's that next no, getting close to that next yes. Big so, so for me, um, I will tell you, Understand the value that you bring. Mm-hmm. Now, mindset, that shift, that started getting me a lot of arbitrage deals when I started approaching the landlords like, Mr. Landlord, I feel bad for you if you don't work with me. Mm, that type of energy. Perspective yeah, shift. It's perspective, yeah. Because guess what? I am the value here. You're mm-hmm. not ever going to get a better tenant than me. Are you an aspiring first generation millionaire who's looking to march towards their first one million in net worth? If you are, then I strongly encourage you to consider joining the Melanin Millionaires Club. Inside the Melanin Millionaires Club, you're going to get access to a complete library of elective courses that will help you navigate towards your journey of your first one million in net worth. You're going to receive access to My Wealth Health which is a dashboard that allows you to track your financial progress in real time. You're going to get access to live workshops and masterclasses, and you're going to get access to our past library recording of all of our masterclasses and workshops called Financial Clicks. Not to mention, you're going to receive access to our flagship feature called Pocket Advisor, where you get access to a financial coach in real time. This is by far one of my favorite features of the platform, and there's so much more. All you have to do to learn more is go to melaninmoney.com forward slash join to see how you can take advantage of all these benefits and become a first generation millionaire. See you inside the club. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody going to take care of this property the way I'm going to take care of it. Matter of fact, when it comes to maintenance issues, we handle maintenance issues up to 200 bucks. So that guess what? That clogged toilet, that hole on the wall, that leaky um, water heater, we'll take care of that on our expense. If, if, there's, if something's going on that's beyond that, that's bigger than that, we can still oversee the process. We'll keep you posted and just and, and keep you put. That way you know that we're on top of things. Mm-hmm. Here's how we handle insurance. Keep your insurance policy. We'll get an additional... Uh, uh, short-term rental policy that has general aggregate liability, and these are additional protections that it come, that it has, and it has rents, uh, uh, rentals loss protection as well. Mm-hmm. So these are how we position ourselves. Look, we got to clean the baseboards, the fan. See, look at these pictures. It literally has to show for every single person that comes in here. So the positioning factor switch to where it's like, if you don't work with me, I feel bad for you. You're not going to get a better tenant than me. Mm. Give that, that round of applause, round of applause, for that. Round of applause Let me for hit that. on this. Ooh, that was good. He was, he was that spots. mindset shift. Yeah. Yeah. Understand the value that you bring. So there's two very important lessons in there that I want to pull out. Number one, one of my, my favorite definitions of success is success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Yes. Right? So, like, we're going to fail. If you're not failing, you're not even trying. So that's nothing to be, if you never fail, that's nothing to brag about. That means that you never took a risk in life and the biggest risk in life is taking no risk at all, right? So I love that, you know, because you didn't lose, you you didn't get discouraged, but I love the positioning. Y'all want to learn a sales strategy that made me over a million dollars in a day? Can I give you that? Okay, so 
my, my, my mentor taught me this and it shifted everything for me. It's about positioning. He said, if you don't give your client something to position your offer to, they're going to position it to, to something cheaper and therefore it's going to be expensive to them. Right. So if I'm pitching you on hiring me as your CPA, right, it, I'm, I know how much it costs to work with me. But before I tell you that, I'm going to tell you how much you're already overpaying in taxes without me. Mm. Somebody, brother, you know, you just overpaid taxes $75,000 last year. You've been doing this for the last five years. It only costs $20,000 to work with me. So do, do you want to continue paying the $75,000 or do you want to only pay me twenty? dollars if I didn't position it, 20000 would have been a lot of money to him, sure. but I just showed him money that he's already paying. See, but people, but your clients and your customer need to understand is they're already paying. Mm -hmm. They're either paying to work with you or they're paying life for not having you. Yeah. Right? And life will always charge people more for what they do not know. So for you, they're, they're going to pay by like having that one tenant that messes up a property and that's going to cost them $10,000 with their insurance. So it's costing them more not to work with you. Yeah, and facts. if you start positioning your offers that way, y'all start making a lot more money. I want y'all to write this down. That was good. Give, give Carter a round of applause. That was good. That was really good. I taught him well. I was proud. It was like a proud dad moment. Um, the most expensive thing in the world is the cost of not knowing. Right? So when you have value that you bring to the world, and someone needs what you have, right? Them not knowing that information is costing them way more than the cost of your service or the cost of your product. But you have to believe that, right? That one paradigm shift has made me so much money, it's not even funny. Because when you understand your value that you bring to the marketplace, you can walk in with that level of confidence, right? Yeah, because you already know, it's conviction, right? I think where a lot of people go wrong is they try to do that prematurely before they become an expert. What's that quote you say about earn or what is it? Uh, um, so the three E's to becoming yeah. a millionaire, you need to, um, number one, gain experience. Number two, become an expert. And number three, you need to educate. So you get experience by doing the thing. Experience turns you into an expert. Yeah. See, some, most people want to get it, become an expert to other people, yeah. but they ain't even expert in their own eyes. Yeah. Right? right? So you want to get experience, become an expert. And then when you become an expert, you can teach people how to do what you do based off your experience. Yeah. Big facts. And then you can make a lot of money in the process. Big facts. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of changes happening in the economy, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the weak are getting shaken out, which, you know, people who have good businesses are not, not excited about other people's failures, but excited about the opportunities that, that are presented, right? Where do you see the short-term rental space headed over the next few years? Um, it's it's going to be interesting to, to see where it goes. From an acquisition perspective, it's going to create a lot of opportunities. Um, yeah. Now, I think that people, uh, I truly believe that in real estate, Mm -hmm. Creative financing and short-term rentals is probably the best intersection. Oh, let's talk about it. This is this is. Oh, yeah, this, hey, he gave us the sauce in the back. Was like, we, we might have to make him pay for that, bro. <laughs> so one of the things that one of the things that our, our community just loves right now um, that they're able to execute on because the, the economy is so ripe for this right now mm -hmm. is creative financing. We just talked about the, the 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 capital markets right now and the fact that inflation's high, which interest rates are high, mm -hmm. and because interest rates are high, people need to understand that um, for for one. For one, these, these interest rates are, people need to really maybe adopt them to be a norm because they're not that high compared to history, per se. But they are high in theory for us right now. Right now, people's buying powers are dwindled. You can imagine, like, if you were to, the same people that can afford a $500,000 house, 
That, because of the interest rates, now that same monthly payment could probably only afford a $380,000 house uh, with the same monthly payment. And so this provides an opportunity because people's houses are sitting on the market a, a, lot, a little bit longer than usual. And so this provides an opportunity for people to come buy properties creatively. Um, the three strategies that I would highly, highly implore people to master, if you want to do deals in 2023, master owner financing, master subject to, master lease options. These are three very key strategies. There's an, I'll throw a fourth one out there, wraparound mortgage, which is pretty much owner financing with a mortgage on it. But I would okay, we need we need you to break all them down. Would y'all like him to break all those down? Cause he just give them to you, expect you to do the research. We can break them down. Uh, no sauce sold separately, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? You know, you go to fast food restaurant, they try to charge you extra 25 cents for the sauce. <laughs> we, we ain't doing that here. We ain't doing that here. And this is this is asking for a friend, so I'm gonna go ahead and take my notes. So I'm yeah, low key, we want to know I'm, too. That's why that's why we're pressing them, because low key, we want to know too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. For, for one, owner financing is essentially the owner's your bank. You're not getting bank financing, the owner's funding, you're giving the owner payments on their equity. Essentially, the owner's your bank. This is what owner financing is. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, if I want to buy a property from you, brother, mm -hmm. and you say, hey, um, instead of, and I tell you, I say, hey, instead of me going to get a bank loan to pay for your house that you're charging $200,000 for, how about I, you just become my bank? I give you a down payment or maybe no down payment. We can negotiate that and we negotiate an interest rate or maybe low interest rate or high interest, whatever the case may be, or negotiate a monthly payment. We negotiate the amortization schedule. When I say amortization schedule, it's how spread out the, the mortgage, the payments are gonna be amortized over 30 years, 20 years, 25 years. For example, most of y'all's mortgages right now are probably amortized over 30 years. That's a standard mortgage. And so the amortization schedule, then the balloon payment. The balloon payment is when am I going to fully just cash you out, right? And ca cash out whether I free refinance it, whether I sell it. That's essentially owner finance. So if I have a two hundred thousand dollar property, yeah. right? And let's say I might only own, let's say I might only owe like fifty thousand left on it. Yes. Right. So you would instead of giving me my whole two hundred thousand. So 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 that right. So what you're talking about right now? See, owner finance. I love owner finance on free and clear properties. Okay. Okay. So so free. free okay. So so I love owner. Now you can do owner finance on properties that have loans on it. But if they have a loan on it, I'd rather sub to. Okay, okay. So so I own this property straight outright, but it's worth two hundred thousand. Yes. I could try to sell it and get cashed out for two hundred thousand, or I could talk to you Absolutely. and you we would agree on a monthly payment, yep. an interest rate, and a term. Yep. And I would just turn this property into cash flowing asset every single month Absolutely. without selling it and lower my tax rate because now I'm not paying capital gains taxes exactly. on the sale. That's facts. My dog. You're not paying capital gains tax on that sale. That's one of the big, big, big uh, components of it too as well. And, and it's great because everything that you lay down is 100% accurate. Now, say you had a $100,000 loan on that same $200,000 property. Okay. You had a $100,000 loan. And say you bought this property in 2020, 21, or maybe just any time before 2022. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> right. right. Uh, which is a lot of properties right now. Yeah. And, and that property, because you bought it before 2022, the interest rates are pretty low. Yeah, I, I bought a property in 20, I bought a half a million dollar property in Chicago in 2020. My interest rate is 3.1, I think. Say, let, matter of fact, let's go there. Okay. You have a 3.1 interest rate yeah. on this property. Mm -hmm. Let's use that same $200,000 example. You owe $100,000 at 3.1 interest. Mm -hmm. So instead of me getting going to get a bank loan at 7% right now, which is what I'm getting quoted for right now, how about I just take over your loan at the 3.1 and just pay you the difference? Wow. So you would just 
give me you pay me the whole two hundred, you pay me the, or you pay me that so, hundred thousand. So, so I'll pay you now. Now I'll take over your loan of a hundred and I'll pay you a hundred thousand. Oh, so I got because like if the bank, give, I'm only walking away with a hundred regardless because I gotta pay back the loan. Regardless. So you would just give me a hundred thousand, we good. Exactly. Oh. I just give a hundred thousand. We good. Let me take over your loan because my mortgage will be better. My mortgage will be less than if I was to get seven percent. Spicy. Y'all getting now, this? Spicy sauce. Y'all getting this? And guess what? Even on that hundred k that I owe you, we can negotiate. You know what? No down payment right now. Let me just pay you monthly on it. Let me just pay you on it and, and give you a, a balloon payment in three years. Maybe I'm buying it from you and I'm, and I'm going to put some work in to fix it up. So I'm not making payments to you until I sell it, if it's a flip. Okay. Maybe I'm going to do it and not make any payments to you until I refinance it and keep it as a rental property. Right. right? Or maybe I just give you a down payment on that 100K. Maybe I give you 20K and then make payments on the balance. There are multiple ways you can skin the cat. I like to tell people, I tell my students, I want you to, to, be, to, to turn into what I like to consider real estate transaction engineers. Be a thinker. Thinking is a very high income skill. Very high. Thinking, very high income thinking skill. is the hardest work most people don't do. Oh my goodness. See, when you see, uh, there, there's different levels of value. See, if, if, if you, so the lowest level of value is the implementation, but like the person that implements, this is the person right. that uses their, their muscles to make money. See, for example, if you used to walk into a hotel right now, who's the person that's using the muscle to make money? It's the people that are cleaning, mm -hmm. the people that are restocking stuff. That's the lowest yeah. level of value, using mm -hmm. your muscles to make money. Have you ever been chilling on your couch and you were maybe trying to find something to watch on TV, whether it's Netflix or Hulu, Amazon Prime, Stars. I mean, there's so many streaming services nowadays, right? Um, maybe you've already binge watched that favorite series and it's over and you're just trying to find something else to watch. But imagine if you spent that energy trying to find creative and impactful content that can help you level up your journey towards your first 1 million in net worth. And that's exactly why we created Financial Flicks, which is a complete library of past workshops and masterclasses where you can learn different topics across personal finance, wealth building, and entrepreneurship on your journey towards your first 1 million in net worth. So head over to melaninmoney.com forward slash join to learn about Financial Flicks as well as all the other great features that you can find inside of our Melanin Millionaires Club. Can't wait to see you inside. Then there's the next level, which is the unifier. This is the manager. The unifier manages the person using their muscles. So a manager will make more money, but you're capped. And you're always going to be capped as a manager. So it's a, it's a higher level of value, but not the, most, uh, the, not the highest level of value that's going to bring you the most income. The thinker is the highest level. The thinker is the person that owns the hotel to put the creative strategy together to own the hotel. That's Big the facts. thinker. <laughs> you know what Big I mean? Facts. So I want people to turn to thinkers when it comes to creative strategy, creative financing, that's essentially what you're becoming when you master these skills, for sure. Dope. Y'all get a round of applause for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. So I, I want to hit... Uh, There's one more, right? Yeah, so, so I actually want to touch on lease options, because lease options is actually getting... You know, it's something that I, I, I'm pretty proud of because there's not other people in the short rental space that teach lease options as mm -hmm. a strategy, to, as a way to own your Airbnbs and own your short-term rentals. See, lease options is... Uh, is, uh, is like combining arbitrage with ownership. Mm. It's, it's, it's structuring a lease agreement plus a purchase agreement on the front end. So I mean, I'm going to lease it from you, and at the end of the lease, I'm going to execute the purchase that we signed two years ago Ooh. or a year ago. And it's, a, and it's an option. It's an so option. if it doesn't work out, you walk away. You walk but away, if it's yeah. super, super profitable, Absolutely. you can actually exactly. use the money that you made over the last two years as the payoff as, for the property, as a, as a down payment for the property. Now, here's what you should do, too. Don't put no more, if you do a lease option, you buy a property with a lease option, don't put no more than 2% down because I don't want you putting a hefty down payment on a property that you don't have title to yet. 
So no more than 2% down. 10% this is what we, we negotiate with, with, our, with our sellers. 10% of your monthly payments pays down a mortgage as well. Pays down your down payment. Goes towards a purchase mm. of the down payment. And then once you combine the fact that you add a seller concession, that's a standard. We always add seller concession about three to five K. Mm-hmm. That pays down, that, that goes towards a purchase as well. And I recommend people, if you're doing lease options, put away anywhere between 15 or 20% of the money that you're making as a short-term rental. That's going to make sure that you're going to be good at the, by the end of that lease term to execute the purchase. Dope, dope. Sheesh, sheesh. So, and the play. Hey, hey, right, and the play. hey, man, look, I hope y'all get the value. If not, I'm, I'm getting enough for everybody, okay? Um, so, me being a CPA, there's a, there's a tax piece I want to talk about um, that I learned last year, and which, is, which is why I, my number one investment this year is going to be short-term rental properties. Go. You got that? George, my financial advisor, you can hold me down? <laughs> I got you, bro. All right, cool, cool, cool. So, um, Here's what I need you all to understand. Um, the, uh, the tax code is nothing more than an incentive system that's, that, that the tax code wants you not to pay taxes. The tax code is a rule book teaching you how to avoid paying taxes. Here's the problem. Most of us can't win the game because we don't know the rules. Right? So what I learned with short-term rental strategies, or short-term rental properties, is that if you buy a property and then decide to short-term uh, to, to do a short-term rental, you can do what's called a cost segregation study on that property. That's a fancy word for I want to write off a lot of the property the first year that I purchase it. So what I found out is that I can write off about 40% of the value of the property the first year that I purchase it. So if I go get a half million dollar property, let's say I put 100,000 down, that's 20%, I will get about a $200,000 or $220,000 tax write-off that same year for purchasing that property. So now I'm putting down $100,000 to receive a $220,000 deduction. Not to mention, I'm going to now be making money every single month. So the property just saved me $200,000 in taxes. And if I'm in a 50% tax bracket, which I am, that's $100,000 tax savings just for me to go make money month to month on the same property. Yeah. Right, so we have to understand there are ways that we can make more money and save on taxes at the same time, but we got to get the information to change our situation. Well, I just did a conference in one of my boutique hotels here in Houston. Okay, doing eighty percent. Can you say that again for the people in the back that couldn't hear you? Eighty percent. So you did a cost segregation. Yeah, we just did the study like last week. So can you like just run some of the numbers? Like how much was it? Like, did you mind going? Uh, I I want people to quantify. We we recently got an appraisal worth three point two. Three? We bought it for a 630, put 900K into the remodel. See, I put about one point, so you paid about 1.5. I'm all in, yeah, I'm all in about 1.4 to the bank. And now it's worth 3.1. Can you get that round of applause, y'all? Woo! Now it's worth 3.1, mm-hmm. but what people don't understand is you now get, get a, to a $2.7 million tax deduction? Yes. Roughly? Roughly. Roughly? So now you you get a two point. Me and my party, yep. Yeah, so you, so you get a two and a, two and a half million dollar tax write off. So you're not paying taxes this year, depending on how good the year is going. On that one, on that one building. On that one building yeah. is wiped out your entire taxes for this year, maybe. Absolutely. But what people also don't understand is that you can also go take a loan against that property. Get a, get a million one a one million dollar loan in equity, which is also tax free, and you can use that money to buy another. Are we going too fast, y'all? And, and then write off the loan interest because that's tax deductible as well. Absolutely, we, we got some fun. See, see, yeah, <laughs> oh, man. people don't understand um, when you, like you mentioned earlier, it's 
when, when it comes to taxes, you have to understand that the tax is a tax strategy. The play is there for anybody to take advantage of it. When you look at people like Trump or you look at companies like Amazon and your people are pissed off at them, the same play, it's not that you can't run it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's available for anybody to run. So can you really be mad at them if you're not even trying to take the time to learn it? Right. You're not even trying to know what the play is and then you're mad at them for running it. Yeah, yeah. Right. I tell right. people all the time, don't hate the player. Don't hate the game. Yeah. Just learn the game right. so you can win the game. The tax code is doesn't have a color scheme. The tax code is not racist. Yeah. It don't care if you're blue, <laughs> red, green, purple. The same play is open to everybody, but we got to decide and not, not choose. We got to decide to take advantage of it because it's open and available to all of us. The government incentivizes you for two reasons. For providing housing and providing jobs. So figure out how to do one of the two. Big facts, big facts. Mm, that's good. And the thing is, people, it's like this, right? It's like I, I break things down in a very simple way, right? There's always a buyer, a builder, and a broker. Yeah. And based upon where you are in your journey, you can figure out where you can plug yourself in to still get something out of the play, right? Yeah. So if you're early in your journey and you don't have any money, right, then you become the broker who connects the buyer, right, to the builder. There's somebody who's always going to build something. Right? There's somebody who always wants to buy something. The problem becomes, who's the person connecting to those people? Right? Then there's another phase of your life where you're like, I, I want to pa- be passive. Everything, bring all the plays to me. I'm, I'm sitting on cash. I want to just buy everything. Right? That's when you go find your investors. As a broker, it's like, hey, I don't have the money, but I can find, I know an investor yeah. who can fund this deal. So don't get discouraged if you're not the person who has the money to exactly. buy the property. Yeah. Right? No, because you can, connect, you can connect both people. Absolutely. And like my boy Chris, uh, like he talks about the success triangle, just to your point, because in, in especially in real estate, really in business in general, you need three things to make any deal work. Any you deal. The, you need the knowledge and experience, you need the time, and you need the money. Now, the thing is, is that if you are able to bring one to the table, you can go source the other two. You can go source, if you're able to bring the opportunity, watch the money comes. That's mm-hmm. one of the things I love about real estate the most, is that you could be brand new in the real estate and do damage. Right. Because the money begets the deal. It's not even based on your level of experience per se. Right. If you're able to source a good deal, the money will come. There's money begging to fund it. Mm-hmm. Big facts. So, you know, our, our platform is, is called Melanin Money, right? So it's no secret our goal is to help people to look like us. Not to yeah. exclude anybody else, but just to super serve, right? Yeah, yeah, people absolutely. of color. And, um, you know, we always like to ask our guests, what does being a melanin millionaire mean to you? Because we understand that, you know, we're trying to normalize yeah, black yeah. wealth, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the more stories we can tell around what it means to you, uh, the more it can be normalized and tangible for other people. So what does being a melanin millionaire mean to you? I would say something that has been very impactful in my journey is the day that I decided to stop negotiating with myself. Mm. That's big. And... Because here's the thing is, is that uh, I know a lot of people um, have, have jobs, have W-2 jobs, and like me, I had a W-2 jobs. And guess what? If my manager or my boss told me to do something, mm-hmm. guess what I'm going to do it? And when it was time for a procedure to be written, I wrote that procedure. Mm-hmm. When it was time for, for a job to go offshore, oh, I, oh, I best believe I was, I was there. Right. When it was time to go to a meeting, I was there. Just like if any of y'all have obligations at your job, you're going to do it. Um, and this is why, because this is your job. And it doesn't matter even if life gets in the way. It's your job. But when we decide to build something for ourselves, Mm. when we decide to build something for ourselves, we Mm. 
negotiate with ourselves when life gets in the way. Oh my God, you know, we got, we got this to do, you know, hey, I know that I need to be making calls, making offers, whatever the case may be, whatever business you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, man, you know, hey, I had to go pick up my daughter from work, this, this happened, somebody failed, I had to take this person to the hospital, whatever the case may be, life gets in the way and we negotiate with ourselves all the time. Why? If we're being real about it, we respect the job more than we respect ourselves. Can we be real about it? Because here's the thing. We, if we really want to move the needle, we have to not negotiate with ourselves. Because if we can decide to say, you know what, this is what I need to do. Because this journey we're on, we don't just arrive at the mountaintop. You have to go through the valley. And guess what? It's the compounding things that happen every day. It's, we don't arrive. It's the compounding wins every day that allow us to get there. So if you're negotiating with yourself every day, you're not winning the day, you're not winning the week. Because life gets in the way and you're not doing the things you say you're going to do that you told yourself you're going to do for your business. You're not moving the needle. And so, so when I think about being a male and a millionaire, I mean, that's somebody that's not negotiating with themselves on their journey. Love that. Jeez, get out of here. Right, right. Uh, if, 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 if TJ provided any level of value to you during this 53 minutes and 18 seconds, yeah. I got a time right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if he gave y'all any ounce of value, I want y'all to stand, y'all, stand on y'all feet and give him a round of applause. applause. Give it up yeah. for TJ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, we're going to do a brief intermission, um, and then we're going to bring out our... Yeah, but, and before we do that, everybody pull out your phone. Pull out your phone. And then go to that podcast Apple store. The po- I mean, the, the, go to the podcast app on your phone. Oh, yeah. We need that. And then just <laughs> type in Melanin Money. If you're not already following us, and then hit that hit that subscribe button so y'all can re-listen to this episode. Because I know this is the one that you got to listen to at least two or three times. You heard me? So uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and then uh, support us. And uh, hopefully we'll, you know, give y'all some more value as we can. But we'll go to intermission, and uh, we'll see y'all in about, what, 10 minutes? Yes, sir. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Melanin Money Show. We hope that this episode was inspiring and gave you some tangible nuggets that you can walk away with and implement in real time. If you found this episode valuable, please like, subscribe, share, and consider leaving a review of this episode on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Until next time.